You're listening to SBS News. Darling Harbour used to be known as Cockle Bay and was a poor neighbourhood in the early history of Sydney. And this is where, in 1808, a sailor from southern France was deported as a convict because of homosexuality. This is the story of François Fiodard, who seems to be the first documented French migrant to Australia. François Fiodard was born in Toulon, a harbour town in southern France. Born in 1789, the year of the French Revolution, he was of short height, with black hair and dark eyes. François Fiodard is one of the most mysterious of the first migrants, as no one has researched his life yet. But what we know is that he was arrested during a stop in England. And this is the most fascinating fact about his life. The British court sentenced him for homosexuality. Peter de Waal is an Australian researcher and activist who defines himself as a gay history documenter. He says England and Australia were then harshly punishing homosexual acts. When Australia colonised in uh, 1788, the sodomy-buggery laws carried a death penalty. Uh, about half a dozen in the early days were hung in, in public on the gallows. The minutes of François' trial show he was sentenced for what was then called unnatural crimes committed with Ambroise Morin, also a French name, but traces of Ambroise have been lost. François was sentenced to death by the Cornwall Assizes, but that punishment was then commuted to deportation to Australia. He arrived in Sydney on board a vessel called the Admiral Gambier in 1808. In today's mentality, it's absurd that you, know, you would send a person to another country for stealing a loaf of bread. It's same, similarly absurd to send a person to another country because they've had sex with a, with, another, with a man. So the first French person to settle in Australia was sent there for being gay. But maybe this is not the right way to put it. Robert Aldrich is a professor of European history at the University of Sydney and has written about LGBTIQ plus rights. He says at the time, François Fiodard probably did not identify with an orientation the way we do today. The word homosexuality was only invented in the 1860s. So even the, the nomenclature was unknown at the time. He would probably have been referred to as a sodomite or pervert and may not have thought of himself as being a man who was attracted only to men. He, he might well have been what we would now call bisexual. In Sydney, François married a woman by the name of Honora Ahern, herself a convict who reached Sydney in 1818. All we know about her is that she was a Catholic and probably Irish. Like the first Chinese and the first Japanese people, the first French migrant apparently married an Irish woman. Robert Aldrich speculates that François must have displayed what is now called situational homosexuality. That's a, a more recent concept, uh, at least in terms of the words used. We know that many people who are not homosexual do engage in homosexual activity um, by uh, erotic desire, because of lack of female partners. For example, we know there were, there were certain homosexual liaisons in the outback where there were very few women. 
François Fiodar may also have been surprised at the harshness of his sentence, considering France was more tolerant of homosexuality and such laws were less often enforced. Less enforced and then decriminalized in the revolution. I think there is a, a tradition of that. The British were, of course, more Protestant about these things. In any case, the reason for his deportation could have put François in a difficult position in Australia. There were many cases of police entrapment. There were cases of abuse uh, by police officers. And there might be all sorts of physical, mental abuse in prisons, uh, including some sexual abuse. But more than likely, nobody knew about it, because convicts in general wouldn't talk about what brought them to Australia. I don't know that that would have been public information. Of course, many people in Australia had a, a criminal past, according to English law, and uh, people denied their convict origins for many decades to come. This fellow, as, as many would no doubt have tried to uh, invent a past for himself or or deny that he had been convicted or perhaps... Uh, say that he had been convicted for some uh, offence such as theft. In Sydney, François Fiodar settled in what is now Darling Harbour. At the time, it was known as Cockle Bay. It was a rather rough area on its way to industrialization, far from the upscale neighbourhood of today. Wayne Johnson is curator of the Rocks Discovery Museum and has a wide knowledge of the early development of Sydney. The early 18-teens is when Darling Harbour is really starting to develop. There was a, an industrialist called John Dixon who arrived in 1813, and he brought with him a steam engine, pretty well the first one outside of Europe. This led to a lot of different industries, even a brewery being set up. It really became a, a pretty in, important industrial centre. François got a house in Kent Street, still a major street in Darling Harbour today but then a brand new street. Kent Street was one of the creations by Governor Macquarie. He, uh, he set the streets out. It was seen as being a bit of a thoroughfare, a way of opening up that area of Darling Harbour. Also in 1811, Sydney's market was moved from the rocks to what's now the Queen Victoria building. Ships could come from the Hawkesbury or wherever, offload their produce and take it up to market. So Kent Street is becoming quite a, a busy area in this 1820s period. Despite his past as a convict, François Fiodar became a police constable. Governor Macquarie also divided the city up into five police districts, and each one had a watch house. The watch house that he would have been connected to was in Cumberland Street, and uh, the Sydney Harbour Foreshore Authority did some excavations and uncovered the remains of the actual building itself, and it would have been the police station where he was uh, stationed. Beyond this, it becomes very difficult to find more records about his life. We find his trace, however, in a famous scandal that put Sydney on age in 1829, the case of Jane New. Carol Baxter is an author and genealogist, and she wrote a book about the Jane New affair. Apparently, Jane was a woman who enjoyed stealing fancy clothes. Jane seemed to have been thrilled by the passion of shoplifting. She clearly had been brought up in a family that was poor and had resorted to shoplifting. Even though her husband was doing quite well, she started shoplifting again. She was particularly interested in French silk. Jane New made the headlines for stealing clothes from a prominent shopkeeper in the Darling Harbour area, Josephine Rance. 
Mrs. Rance herself hailed from Belgium and may have been the first Belgian migrant to Australia. The case escalated when the population of Sydney thought the authorities were sentencing Jane too harshly and it became a cause célèbre for the rights of former convicts. And looking into the notebook of the judge, Carol Baxter found him mentioning an interesting name, Constable François Fiodard. But it's not clear what he had to do with the case. I suspect he was involved because he spoke French and Madame Rons obviously spoke French and she didn't really speak English much. She had to have use her daughter as a translator. So I suspect that he got involved because of that. Near Kent Street, another Frenchman called Francis Girard settled shortly after him, becoming a prominent entrepreneur and was a personal friend of Josephine Rons. Minutes of the trial show that she first asked this Mr. Girard to be her translator, but the court did not trust his translation, which may have led them to bring their own man to translate, Constable François Fiodard. Carol Baxter believes there was some bias against French-speaking people at the time. Some of these, these upright figures in the colonial community said Jane was an honest woman. She was a convict. Now, of course, the French were England's enemies, so whether there was xenophobia and other things going on, these men were supporting Jane over the French. Alexis Bergans is a lecturer at the Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology and wrote a book about early French migration to Australia. He thinks François may have been shunned for coming from an enemy country at first, but this would have changed as the British Empire improved its relationship with France. People would probably have looked at French men or French people arriving here with caution as well. That changed after Napoleon's defeat in 1815 and the two countries began to cooperate more closely. It is important to mention that French culture was highly valued and influential in Britain during the 1800s. And of course, that would have been the case in Australia as well. François was probably very isolated in the beginning, but migration from France then opened up. By some estimates, until the middle of the 19th century, the total number of French residents in Australia was about 400, and perhaps three quarters of those were based in Sydney. French presence really peaked around the 1890s, so much later in the century, when there were about 4,500 of them. And because of their number, they formed a more tangible community. In the end, forced away from his land and into Australia for an absurd reason, François Fiodard would finally find a new home and a new community. I am Julien Ayer from SBS, bringing this podcast series to you. Each episode is about the earliest documented person to settle in Australia permanently that we managed to identify from each community. If you are aware of someone who settled even earlier, or the first migrant from any other community, we would love to hear from you and welcome your story. Please write to us at radio.news at sbs.com.au. 